I might just put some of this chat into the show. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I'll say it now. Welcome to North v South. <laughs> or do you want to know? Uh, do you want to no, quickly go through what you're doing, or should we just wing it? Let's yeah? just wing it. Yeah. yeah. Are we keeping that in as well? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Uh, good evening, so, John. Good evening. Um, how's your week been? Where have you been? My week has been delightful uh, for the last couple of days. Uh, Steph and I have been in Dorset on the Isle of Purbeck, which isn't an island. Um, I don't know why it's called an island. I guess it's a historic thing, but it's not even it's not even a kind of peninsula that's that's almost an island, is it? It's um, it's just a peninsula past Pool. What's that big bay called around Pool Harbour? Is it just called Pool Harbour? Yeah. Oh, Brown Sea uh, Island is the... Brown Sea Island, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful bit of the world. I think I think at one time it was impassable, wasn't it? Much of that south coast was marshland um, yeah, and very maybe. hard to get past. So Wareham was your gateway, as it were. Yes. Um, but it was beautiful. Really kind of traditional, beautiful English rolling countryside and heathland and woodland. Stayed at a very nice hotel um, not far from the beach at... Studland Bay with uh, had a quite curious Studland Bay was a big thing in World War Two. they practiced the DJ landings there and um, there's a great big I don't know if you know it the uh, I can't remember what it's called Fort Henry which is a huge kind of 100 foot long concrete bunker where uh, the Allied commanders surveyed the the rehearsals for D-Day and it's still there and open to the public, which is a bit weird on a sunny day walking into this cold, dank concrete bunker from World War Two. But um, pretty interesting. There was nothing about it. There's no information. It just kind of exists there as a a little thing you can uh, walk around. All right. No, I've never been there. Um, yeah. Well, I have. Uh, yeah, I've been to Isle of Purbet a lot because my mum yeah. had a hotel in Boscombe. So, yeah. But um, yeah, did you go across the chain ferry? We did. <laughs> it's good, good, isn't it? good tip, that. Yeah, it's a lot shorter than I imagined. Yeah, um, it's literally what about 150 meters or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was fun, and um, we went to Corfe Castle and Lulworth Cove, uh, Lulworth Castle. I just potted around a bit, really. Um, it was lovely, really yeah. nice. It's very wet yesterday. Absolutely stunning today, and the birds woke me up at quarter past five this morning, so I got up to watch the sunrise. Um, which was perfect. Yeah, it's a beautiful county, my favourite place in yeah. the world, I think. Yeah, I haven't spent that much time there. I lived over in Somerset for a while, so I've kind of done up more of Somerset and Devon than I have of Dorset. Uh, but yes, very beautiful. And never heard his jingling sound, and ing and ing did ring the string, and an an ang the wires did clang. There you go. Was that, was that a bit hardy? It, it's a bit of William Barnes, who was oh, okay. he was friends with Hardy, but he wrote a um, he wrote in the vernacular. Yes, that was probably a, the worst Dorset accent ever. <laughs> well, it was, it was good enough to fool me, John. <laughs> I've tried to read Hardy before. My one of my exes was quite into Thomas Hardy, and I tried to read it, and, and in my head it had that kind of accent, and I found it sort of impenetrable and a little bit comical. <laughs> So I never, I never really got Hardy. You weren't reading the Hardy Brothers, were you? <laughs> maybe, maybe that was it. It's going all wrong. Uh, so, how's your week been? Um, yeah, it's good. Um, we've had builders knocking walls down. Of so course, it's been interesting trying to work while that's been going on. 
So you have you chosen a, a, a supplier for your kitchen? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is Jess going to do it? Uh, no, it's uh, the guy we wanted to do it has come back and he's way over his ballpark figure. Um, uh. And so we've got a meeting with another chap next week because uh, he couldn't make it this week. So we're kind of just yeah. leaving him hanging in the lurch. <laughs> Are you going to be uh, cooking on a Primus stove for the next few weeks? No, it's fine. The kitchen is so, it's, it's so big that we can leave it in um, without it being damaged. So yeah. the work can be done around it. Okay. Because um, whoever did the kitchen before decided that they wanted works, work surfaces on all four walls. <laughs> and it's quite a big room. So it's, you know, there, are yeah. me- there is quite a few metres of, of top. So we, we should be fine. But they, they've already, they came in one day and did, they've taken down a wall, put another wall up and knocked the ceiling out. Um, so, wow. they, yeah, there's no slacking. Oh, that's good. Did you keep them um, in tea? <sighs> no, they brought their own. Wow! Yeah, new age. Took everything away. No skips here. Um, yeah, they were yeah really good, good lads. Fantastic. Yeah, so got uh, some Velux windows going in tomorrow, and um, and then next week just plastering and boarding. So that will will be done, and then kitchen after that. So we're not in any hurry. It's pretty rapid, that isn't it? Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I don't hang about. So that's good. So that that's been going on, and then I've just had. At the most ridiculous amount of work and I, I had a meeting on Tuesday that lasted way too long so I lost the entire day because it was in London uh, um, so that's set me back a whole day um, so I'm really struggling now <laughs> yeah it's tough when yeah. meetings get out of control like that <clears throat> and I so I, you know I've just and I, and I came and I came away with I'd already had eight weeks worth of work and I've came away with another I reckon two or three weeks worth of work that's wanted all at the same time <laughs> like, I, I haven't even agreed to do it yet um, that's yeah. half the that's half my battle is I, I don't agree to do things I just sort of get caught up in you know once you've got a client you, you've you know, yeah, they just assume. They assume. Yeah, I had one. I had an email this evening, which was uh, somebody handing over to a to a new uh, marketing person, and they were instantly like, "Yeah, well, so we've got these bits and bobs that are you know going to print tomorrow, so we need you to look at them." Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so my introductory uh, email's a bit naggy, but I, you know, I, I, yeah. I can only I can only do so much, and I've got I've got two two people freelancing for me at the moment as well so which is includes you oh yeah so uh yeah it's um it's really busy i need to employ someone now i mean like definitely uh but i can't until i've got some premises yeah uh so yeah i really busy you've got to pay for that kitchen somehow yeah exactly bloody hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah and other things what have i been i've been playing with I haven't been playing with much, but uh, Cinema 4D, uh, my yep. stuff's arrived now, so I've been fiddling around with that. Um, I'd have bought some pre-made studio lighting and um, uh, rendering setups because I know from the past that um, setting that it just takes forever to set up properly. Um, so I've literally bought like they sort of model a, a light box. Um, and okay. uh, you know, and uh, like, so it's like a little photographic studio. Yeah. Um. So you can just put your objects in there, choose the lighting rig that you want to set it up, and and then render it. It just saves That's good. Saves hours and hours. They were having a sale as well on um oh. uh, this week. They're called Grayscale Gorilla. If anyone's learning 3D, they're a really good resource for learning and te- textures and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it'd be interesting to see what you rustle up, John. Well, I haven't even decided what I'm doing yet. <laughs> uh, I anticipate a World War One themed yeah. chess set. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think I'll be that good. I'm sort of on cubes and certain spheres at the moment. Yeah. Um, no, it'll be just mainly for signage and, and things like that, rendering bits and bobs. Yeah. Um, you haven't been doing any work, then you've just been gallivanting around no, the Dorset um, countryside. I've uh, I've accepted a couple more commissions. So after never doing a tattoo design uh, in a week, I've got three tattoo commissions come in, which is quite interesting. Lots of people have said before that you know they were going to get my drawings that they'd seen of mine tattooed, and would that be okay? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But I've never seen any evidence, so I don't know if they've just not bothered. But um, yeah, so three tattoos to design, all very different. Um, so I'll keep you up to date with how that goes and uh, share some photos if it, if they uh, ever actually get them inked. In places that can be photographed? Uh, well, one guy today sent me a, a photograph of his forearm. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad you ended that with arm. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Um, I'm not sure about the others. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm to expect to get more bodily parts uh, yeah. Email to me, but uh, so yeah, that's interesting. But no, no work. Um, which has been, um, I'm kind of itching to get back to drawing now. Cool. Which is, I guess, the essence of a break, isn't it? Definitely. Come back feeling a bit invigorated and um, enthused. Mm. Yeah. So oh, should we? Uh, yeah. Let's crack, crack on. on. Um, uh, what have you got? Uh, design news. Um, the first thing I've got is um, Chanel's new shop in Amsterdam. I saw this on Dezine, Dezine magazine, which is kind of architecture design, product design. Um, always have lots of good stuff on there. I kind of read it just for the architecture, really, dreaming about when I build my own home. Um, but there's a, a Dutch uh, architecture company have used a pioneering glass technology to replace the brick facade of a former townhouse in Amsterdam with a transparent replica. So it's a a beautiful... I think the facade of this whole store has been redone. I think the building's been completely refurbished. And it's the the brickwork on this kind of double-fronted townhouse gets close to the ground. At one point, the bricks just become replaced by glass bricks. So the brickwork just kind of fades out and becomes entirely transparent right down to the floor. Uh, and it's really quite striking, I thought. Um, apparently the bricks are stronger than, the glass bricks are stronger than normal bricks. Um, and it's all glued together, so no mortar. Um, but the bricks have been used as traditional bricks, so they're kind of laid in the same patterns and uh, you know the kind of top of the windows and the window sills have kind of got the patterns and the kind of slight fan shape of the brickwork uh, it's a beautiful thing I mean it'd look amazing as a work of art let alone a, a shop that you can go into and shop in but I thought it's it might be a um, sort of an interesting route for architecture to go in having you know kind of transparent structurally sound material like this that can be used in a really traditional 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 way, in a way. Um, um, but I really like it. so mr mvrdv is the architecture company in 
Amsterdam that's done it. I thought it was uh, a lovely thing. Yeah, it looks <clears throat> it looks fabulous, doesn't it? Quite striking, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like Lego. Yeah, it is. Um, really, and they've even got glass. I don't know how they've done that. The window frames and everything are completely see-through as well. I don't know if they're glass or if they're some kind of perspexy thing, but yeah, grand. Mm. So people who shop in glass houses shouldn't throw, I don't know, something. What about you? What have you got for us? Uh, I'm, um, I've been rubbish this week, but I've, I've scraped the barrel. You've got it, to stop saying that. You've said it, <laughs> you've said it every week. Sorry. Uh, um, I've, fa- I, I don't know where I found this. It's probably from a link that you've sent me, but it's a, a, a web page called we made this.co.uk. Yeah, Are they a business? Be. Uh, it's the, yes. So, uh, it's run by Alistair Hall. Right. Who I did a commission for recently. All right. Um, and uh, have you ever heard of the Monster Stories shop? It's a Monster no. Supply shop. So there's one in Hoxton, and it's a shop that sells um, sweets that are branded as Monster ingredients. So right. you can buy kind of you know Dracula snot or ghost, <laughs> right. ghost phlegm. A beautiful, beautiful packaging, uh, and. It, in essence, the shop selling all this ghoulish, cool stuff is uh, a way of making money for um, a, a charity which teaches kids about creative writing. It's a fa- an absolutely fantastic thing. And we made this and Alice the Hall were, were behind the launch of that. So, yeah, so I, that's how I know we made this and, and Alice the Hall. Uh-huh. Sorry, interrupting. No, no, no. I, I just, I didn't know where I found this and where I just, I just saved this page because um, it's, it's a, it's a page about um, uh, a new journal called Interrobang, which is by St. Jude's Prince, um, who are a letterpress uh, foundry or a yeah. print shop, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they've also, they, they worked in collaboration with, and I didn't even know this place existed, the Ditchling Museum of Art and Craft, yeah. which just looks like my new favourite place that Let, I, yeah, I want go. to go. I want to go to there. Yeah. Um, but just the page with the photos that they've put in it um, is probably some of the most beautiful posters that you're going to see if you like type lead <clears throat> print based posters, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And the sign for the for the um, Ditchling Museum is just fabulous. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, just, uh, it's just, and it, but I just thought it tied in with because um, it's talking about Johnston. Yeah, um, and obviously it's a hundred years. We spoke about it a few weeks ago, um, but it's got all the sort of variants at the museum of all the little, um, you know, variants on the letters that they were they were playing with at the time. Um, it's it's a it's a beautiful page. I, I quite like to buy the book actually, um, or the the magazine or whatever whatever it is yes. they're calling it. Yeah, um, they often uh, can be rather pretentious publications, can't they? These things, but I just think the the scans of the prints in them are just astonishingly good. I think if, if the content is as beautiful as this, I think you can forgive them a bit of pretension, can't yeah. you? Yeah, just yeah. just love looking at the pictures. That's yeah. Stunning stuff. So I'll post that link on there. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. So I want to go to that. We should make we should make a a beeline out there, shouldn't we? Really? 
design mu- and design and craft museum on the South Downs, probably yeah. near a lovely pub. Yeah, a good walk. S- sounds um, terrible. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 our that's our trip sorted, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's designed by Phil Baines, the identity. Oh, oh there wow. we go. He writes lots of books, doesn't he? That I've read. He does. He's very good. And very good. Um, he's a busy, busy man. Um, he's director, isn't he, of design at the? It's not called the Royal College of Printing, no, is it? Or Central St Martins? It's the University of London, University of Art of London, or something. Is it? It's all been rebranded, hasn't it? But yeah, Phil Baines is in charge of all that. All oh, right, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. So mm. yeah, um, but that sort of leads me from that sort of um, very. I'm just not going to say whimsical design, but you know, I. Um, yeah, very type-led. To uh, I'm going to go on to a next bit of rather than swap over because this leads uh-huh. on is um, yeah. uh, a book out by a designer that I really admire, um, whose um, uh, company is called Draplin.com. Yeah, we mentioned him. Uh, we talked about field notes, didn't we? Yeah. So he he's uh, his name is Aaron Draplin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron James Draplin. I think he refers to himself. And he is just a hugely prolific designer of type-based icons and logos. It's kind of what he does in a nutshell. Um, he's big and bold and thick lines and, you know, so removed from the last bit of news that I thought it was a good um, counterpoint to it. Um, yeah. He's just got a book out, which is like, I think it's um, it's called Pretty Much Everything. And I think it's just a... Uh, a sort of look back over his career yeah, so far. Yeah, and, and I'm going to post a. Um, he's been doing some. You sent me a link. Uh, you sent me a text saying, "Oh, you need to listen to um, Jonathan Barnbrook, who's live at Type Talk." Um, yeah. And I went on there, but he wasn't. Well, but by the time yeah, I got home, finished, it was yeah. finished. But um, this was on the front page, and I just I watched like, the video, and it's I just great. It well. It's so yeah. good. Oh, you go, I'm glad you fantastic. watched it. And he yeah. just comes out with some absolutely brilliant nuggets. If you know for. Um, what we're going to talk about later, I think it's really relevant. But he's, he's, you know, he's like look. he's like a, a more personable Mike Montero in yes. some ways. He's, he's very you know forthright and doesn't look around, and he's he's kind of not got that you know designer jargon thing. He just tells it like it is, but he's not as much of a dick. <laughs> but he does use jargon. It's just it's funny, you know. He says like you know some of his phrases was uh, you know he uses science and dumb luck, and yeah. he says things like you can do it and you can love it, and he's just full of these little pithy one-liners, mm-hmm. um, and he really is living that life that he is totally focused on what he wants to do and screw everybody else. It was quite um, interesting. Uh, sorry, um, that talk he talked about his influences. He's a, a massive collector of kind of ephemera and design and that kind of um i don't know what you call it that design that really hasn't been designed it's it's a a logo on a a packet of nails from 1950 or a a book of matches or something so he uh he's really influenced by the kind of vernacular design isn't he of of uh, kind of everyday objects um uh from from america and he really likes that kind of purity of design. He says, you know, there hasn't been any science involved in them. But interestingly, he compares the kind of quality of that design to really high-end corporate branding, where there's obviously lots of science and methodology, but the result is 
similar kind of purity of form or logo or brand recognition. And I thought it was really interesting that there's there's two entirely opposite um, kind of poles of design that both influence him. He's um yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah, I think I think he's a he's an interesting guy. So if you don't know his stuff, go and check yeah. him out. If you don't know Field Notes, um, go and buy some over at Koodle dot com or even Field Notes. Yeah. dot com. But yeah, another. I mean, something that we haven't touched on that we need to get as a massive rabbit hole is just Jim Koodle's mind. Who's what? The Koodle dot com. Do you know Koodle? I don't know if I do know. I think I'm, it rings a bell. Mm. Oh, they're, they're a, they were a design agency. They run Field Notes. Oh, okay. So is that his, that's his partner in... Uh, I don't think um, Draplin has any share in it. Does he? Does he, yeah, does he 50-50 well, talk, with it? In that, oh, I don't know. In that talk, he, he talks about it. it was kind of his... Sort of him and someone else right. did it. Maybe it was him. Maybe I just missed the, missed the name. Jim Coodle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Koodle used to share a an office with the guys that created um, Basecamp, um, oh, Thirty Seven okay. Signals, and they're of the similar similar sort of philosophy. Um, so they were a client facing ad agency and completely chain turned around, got rid of got rid of all of their clients and started producing products. Is what they do yeah. now. But yeah. um, it's a great rabbit hole site if you've never been on Koodle dot com. And they invented um, Layer Tennis, um, uh, which is the Photoshop tennis game between yes. designers, <clears throat> which disappeared up its own fundaments a long time ago. <laughs> it did a little bit. Uh, but yeah, very funny. Uh, a little quick one. Um, talked about book design quite a bit in previous episodes. So Favour uh, have released a selection of poetry titles under the Nature Poets banner and each cover, I think there's six writers, Wordsworth, Edward Thomas, John Keats, uh, John Clare, Thomas Hardy, you have the strange accents, uh, and Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And they've... uh, Hymn of the Strange Substances. Yes, indeed. Uh, And they've, so they've released um, a bunch of titles and they've got different... Uh, illustrators or printmakers to do the covers for different authors and they're really really beautiful kind of uh, I'd hate to say the word retro but they've got that kind of period charm about them you know they're quite whimsical yeah and a little you know a couple of them have got kind of a slight sort of naivety about them um, but they're beautifully put together things so they've, they've got a real muted slate of colours and each cover has um, a dash of red on it. Um, and they're just gorgeous, really beautifully done. And, you know, again, it's one of those things that they look absolutely, you know, they can look absolutely gorgeous as a, a set. Um, really lovely, particularly the Keats. Um, the Keats one I absolutely adore, which has got a, a bird on the front. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I like the uh, the Edward Thomas one I would probably buy yeah. because he's from just down the road here. Oh, is it? Yeah. It is um, actually lovely, that. It's something slightly sinister about that. He's got a red house on it and, and some farmer's fields with haystacks, but very long shadows. And there's something a bit um, unnerving about that, I think. Mm. But really beautiful. And a bunch of designers 
or printmakers that I didn't know. Um, so I'm going to look into their work. Yeah. Gorgeous. Tal- talented people around, aren't they? Certainly are. Um, oh, yeah. My last one I was going to talk about was um, somebody I know. So I'm going to do a shout out to um, friend Sean, who used to um, freelance for Soda back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Leahy, he's called. Uh, he has written a book. Um, it's yeah. called The Monster Cafe. And this is sort of two threads, really. One is going by his book. Um, and two is uh, it's been featured on a website called Dads and Design, which is um, a, de- a design blog that's aimed at dads. Um, I, I don't know if we mentioned this last week or whether I skipped over it, but um, uh, I think there's an interview get- with Simon Manship. Yeah, it got from mentioned. Someone uh, agency who uh, is a branding agency in London that, um, uh, you know, are nailing it, let's say, at the moment. Yeah, anyway, Sean's been his book's been featured on there and it's got these illustrations in it that I think are just beautiful um, by this guy, Mike Oradan, his, his illustrator. I think yeah, they really work nice. together. Um, you know, literally this guy was in an office drawing icons and he is a wasted talent if that's what he's doing. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's he's got a really lovely Eastern really, European style. I'd really say. energetic. Yeah. It's really loose, natural. Um, but it, the the other interesting thing about the book is that it's um it's being crowdfunded on a site called Unbound, which okay, is yeah. like a Kickstarter but for book publishing. Yeah. So um, the company will only print the book if it hits the, you know the target. So they're about halfway there, I think. So uh, yeah, have a look at it if you like it. You can make all sorts of different pledges. You can even have your kid's name put in the book and etc. Uh, etc. Et There's a cool video that doesn't have plinky plonky music on it that explains the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I think crowd, crowdfunding really suits books, I think. I think it's a really nice way of getting involved in in something that's pretty wonderful. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think the quality is right. I'd like to see the quality of the book. Um, yeah. But I've already ordered one, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a talented boy, Sean. Um, yeah, so I wish him, wish him all the best with it. Yeah, good luck. Cool. So that uh, kind of wraps up our um, design news. The only other one I had uh, had written down was about the Tate Modern's new extension, but um, it's not open yet, so maybe we should talk about that when we've been to see it. Mm. The new kind of twisty spiral switch house extension by Herzog and Demurin. But um, we'll save that for another day, I think. Yeah, they don't suffer from low esteem, do they? Self-esteem? No. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's taken longer to build and cost a lot more than the original conversion of the tape from well, the Bankside Power Station. The original was such a wonderful surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, because it just looked like it hadn't changed and it was so amazing inside when it mm. when I first went. I was just blown away. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I think they had the spider thing on there. Um, oh, it's right at the beginning. That was the first one, wasn't it? Louis yeah. Bourgeois. Yeah, it was just amazing. It really was. Um, there was nowhere in London that you could go and see such incredible modern art all in one place. Yeah, it was incredible. I think it was the, I can't, cannot remember his name, Olaf Eliasson, is it? Who did the weather thing with the, the kind of sun and the clouds. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that one. That was beautiful. Really quite striking. But uh, but yeah, we should, um, maybe we should go check it out when it opens. Yeah. Give it our seal of approval or not, I'm sure it's all going to be in a waiting to find out what we think. 
like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. Talk about them not suffering from low self-esteem. And um, here we are, talking rot, expecting people to listen. Yeah. Hopefully you still are. Yeah, so we postponed our chat last week where we were going to talk about making mistakes. Um, I stupidly said, let's make mistakes, which is actually the name of a podcast with Mike Montero in, isn't it? And I've <laughs> yeah. said his name far too many times because he's not very polite, so I'm not going to mention it again. Um, I Yeah, so we were talking about in... We were asking for your stories about making mistakes and it's not just a... We don't want us to be a... Um, you know, clients are, you know, the clients from hell kind of listing. Um, it's more about what mistakes have been made in your career. Mm. Um, and uh, Rob's going to kick this off with stories from himself. <laughs> well, quite, I, I can't think of any that uh, are particularly interesting. Um, and it's quite funny, kind of, I put out a couple of tweets and asked people to send me stuff. And none of them are particularly, no one's earning up to you know, cocking up an annual report and, you know, bringing down a company or, uh, you know, accidentally printing, you know, 600,000 copies of something that was wrong. They're all sort of odd little confessions. So uh, I've got a couple of little ones which are quite similar uh, from Simon White, which was, uh, he's Purple Syme on Twitter. He says, uh, an ad agency I worked for once pitched Costa Coffee only to put up a welcome sign on with an out-of-date logo and then serve them Starbucks coffee, <laughs> which is quite typical. And the, the one that follows on from that is my art director presented some concepts to Microsoft and used the Safari browser to frame them. The conference call lasted about 10 seconds. So they're quite those kind of unthinking small mistakes that can have quite a big impact yeah. if, uh, if their director is sort of at your client. Um, and it's just one of those things that, you know, they're the kind of things that just slip under the net. You think, yeah, let's get coffee for the client. And, um, you know, you don't think about the implications of it. Yeah, I mean, um, mis- mistakes happen, don't they? Um, they do. And uh, I, I was trying to think, in, in my graphic design career, it was very few real clangers. Um, uh, it's more, uh, and I'll say some later, but when I was a sign maker, when you're involved in manufacturing and making of graphics mm. and uh, and you know, design bits, then that's when things really do go horribly wrong because I've been involved in some absolute howlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just really, really bad ones. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I I have remembered one that was really bad. I, I think I don't think I was, I think I was on holiday when this happened. Um, <laughs> and it was when we m- merged with a larger agency and they were kind of doing their own thing. But one of the designers was given that the, uh, they were given their... Um, like chance to shine and uh they were asked to do a logo for a um uh, a development within a county i'm not going to say anything but um <laughs> to phrase this really carefully. yeah the designer lifted uh the uh a picture of um it was of a deer um lifted it off of the county council website yeah and just yeah. literally copied it and used it and it was approved as the logo for this <laughs> Which oh was, you know, when it came back, it was like, well, you know, the county council have seen this, <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, you've, you've, this is their logo. So yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, yeah. But that is that comes about with letting someone just, you know, run free when they don't 
you know, and not checking their work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, every good designer should know you shouldn't ever copy another logo or at least just lift it entirely. But um, yeah. that can be happen when you're a, especially when you're um, uh, led by account managers who don't necessarily know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, with design and stuff. But yeah, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's probably the worst one that we, that we had to deal with. We had things like, um, you know, it's always courier based, you know, we had one where, um, a brand new brochure had gone to print. It turned up, um, it, uh, the, our direct managing director went up to, um, the new property, um, development where they were launching the next day. And the, the whole team were waiting for this van of, brochures to turn up from the printers because we'd you know we'd got an advanced copy and approved it and off it went um the van was really really late and when it turned up uh every single box inside it was smashed to a pulp (laughs) and all the brochures were ruined i mean obviously you do overrun so we could get another load up there the next day but basically the um yeah the van driver just had um got completely lost and then driven like an just somebody maniac. yeah an absolute maniac um and just destroyed you know i don't know what it was five thousand copies of this Blimey. i think something like that yeah it was a big big old van full um so that was that was pretty bad um, yeah but it, it, i think from all of them is is and i what well, i've written down is flying by the seat of your pants um is one thing but abandoning process in pursuit of pleasing clients will only end in one result and yes. that is when you start making horrendous mistakes yeah uh, um, i mean sometimes the client is you know is part of the mistake you know if they don't check things you know obviously client supposed to check copy you know they're supposed to sign off and everything but the only one that brings to uh, springs to mind that i was doing i was working for the alice holt um kind of nature reserve which is out towards you, isn't it? I kind of yeah. Farnham way. Yeah. Um, and we were doing some new brochures for them, so covering everything that they did. And it's famous for its purple emperor butterflies, I think, the Alice Holt. Um, and we designed a brochure, uh, had a butterfly on the front, got approved by the client at kind of every stage. It got printed, delivered to Alice Holt. And we got a phone call the next day from the chairman of the charity that oversees Alice Holt or his party to Alice Holt. And he said, it's all fantastic, looks brilliant, but why is the butterfly upside down? And I think we printed a couple of thousand and no one, you know, it had gone to kind of scientists and, you know, everyone at the, the nature reserve and no one had noticed that this butterfly was upside down on the cover. In our defense, it was it, the photograph had been taken kind of when it's, wings are on the downstroke and I think we'd got it from a stock library and it was it was upside down in the stock library and we just used it as is and um, no one had noticed it so that was a bit embarrassing but it's one of those things the client is as in that case you know perhaps more responsible than we were because they were the butterfly experts <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah yeah. So have you got any other things well, that people have sent in? Um, there's uh, Ian Sayers, who's a, um, a guy from Belfast who works in uh, creative training. 
he said, well, he was working at a design agency in, in Belfast. The design director told us to set up some tent cards with the first initial and last name. So they ran an in-design script to automate the process. The job was proofed and approved by the client services team and sent to print. The client's name was Alan Nutt. His wife was Patricia Nutt. The tent cards read A Nutt and P Nutt. Uh, and the agency very nearly lost the account that night. See, that? that's just you can't, you can't expect to be able to automate the a, a process like that and um you know not kind of have a, a proper a proper look at it <laughs> but quite funny yeah i mean they're, they're all tiny things aren't they they're good yeah. <laughs> good ones but um i think you know why do we make mistakes and uh you know what forces us to make mistakes um is often just not having the time to plan or putting processes in place that do your checks and balances. Um, mm. And I think that's why I think as an agency, we've, I don't, we had very, very few print, you know, reprints um, because we put in place really, really strict um, yeah. checks, you know, um, but I think there's a lot of people who don't do them. I mean, especially when we merged with the ad agency, they, they didn't have any, they didn't have any quality control. Yeah. And they were just, they were making so many errors and it's just putting in simple things like, you know, proofing. And if you make a change, print it out, proof it again. You know, I know it's, yeah. a, I know it's a pain, but just keep doing it. Um, yeah, it is easy to, to avoid, but I'm sure there are some, uh, some massive clangers out there that people are, are hiding away. Yeah, I'm sure. I think one of the things that often leads to mistakes and it kind of, you know, it goes on to that thing where you're, you're up against it or your, your process kind of falls apart is, is uh, that kind of creep of a brief where it starts off as one thing uh, which may be under control and you know all organized and then it becomes and evolves into something bigger and different and i think that's quite often where things get lost and forgotten and you you you, you, have, you don't approach something uh, perhaps in the, the same organized way when that happens so i think that can lead to lots of cock-ups as well Definitely. I I think these days I do less and less print because um, the clients tend to, you know, source the print themselves. Mm. Um, and that worries me, you know, when they're not checking print and stuff. But I just don't think they spot things uh, that, that I do um, or, you know, experience does. But also the other thing is once you've looked at some artwork for the three or four weeks <laughs> or whatever, you, can't, you, can't you, see you stop can. seeing it. Yeah, yeah so. That's why you always need another set of eyes to check things. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the, the the thing to take away from it is you know all work is hard and um you know but don't make it hard for yourself you know check things and have honest conversations with people if there's the scope starts creeping mm. um and you know draw a line under it and requote it or say you know this is beyond my remit or whatever um because once you start winging larger jobs you know that's when things go wrong, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You overpromise stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, we were talking about it before, weren't we? The print, when you get print back and you just got that, <laughs> that feeling in your stomach. <laughs> yeah. There's something there. It's like you, well, it's like you said, you know, it should be a, a really beautiful moment where you kind of rip open the boxes and see your work in print for all the world to see. And it should be exciting and exhilarating. And actually you just have a knot in your stomach because you're just dreading seeing something. Yeah, I think especially with, I think some things are really easy to just proof and they go out and they come back and they're fine. But when we were doing a lot of um, 
because we were doing a lot of technical floor plans and maps and all sorts of things that had, you know, e- that even in the tiniest little bit of detail, they had to be totally right. And anything that yeah. was wrong was, you know, a ton of bricks came down on you. So it made it really stressful. And um, thankfully, I don't have to do those kind of jobs anymore. So yeah, I don't tend to get that. Um, hey, going back to uh, some of the confessions that I had in, I think the, the most shocking came from Richard Weston, which was, um, who's ASJet 170. We talked about his blog a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a, a shriek of horror as designers around the land hear this. He confessed that he once used three full stops instead of an ellipsis. What? I know. I know. Can you believe it? Oh, Can you believe he admitted to that? <laughs> so slap, slap on your wrist, Richard Weston. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah. Mm. I think he's lying. He's lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's quite funny. The the kind of mistakes we're talking about are the kind of process and production and kind of technical mistakes in a way, aren't they? Um, And I think what we'll have to cover, and I think you've mentioned it kind of in the notes, are those mistakes in, in more of a creative way, those kind of beautiful mistakes which send you down a different path that, you wouldn't have got to, you know, just by kind of following a straight process and that result in something wonderful and unusual and unexpected. Uh, that kind of more of an artistic mistake. Which yeah. Which can be a positive thing. <clears throat> yeah, Ben Tallon was talking about that on his podcast with um, Andy Sandos um, of uh, DNAD. Yeah. Uh, and they were saying, where you know, where's the punk? Where's... Uh, Whereas uh, we said this was the, the mistakes that create new eddies in the river. And yeah. Andy Sandoz says, you know, we've got access on in our fingertips, you know, in the phone to every single bit of visual information from the beginning of history, th- you know, through to futuristic, uh, any style, a- anything you want to, to look at, you can. And he said, you know, why is why is our work not weirder? or stranger mm. um in, in, he's talking about in mainstream design and and i think that's you know they were saying where's the punk as in a mainstream revolution yeah. but i think nowadays it's easier to have small it's easy for small movements and genres to survive because you can have you know a few people scattered across the globe who can be in communication with each other who share yeah. the same kind of feel whereas Previously, it was small areas, wasn't it? And punk grew, you know, say, from the King's Road. Um, there was a group of people and that spread out from there. But it, yeah. it, it was it was ripe for it to happen. Um, but I think nowadays it's much more it's much easier for the small groups to just survive and do what they want to do without affecting the mainstream. So I think I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. And also, I don't, I, you know, I wasn't, I was six or seven when punk happened but it's not as if punk became mainstream in terms of you know everyone else most people you know their only exposure to punk was you know the sex pistols not getting played and you know if you punk's walking down the street you know most people have got no concept of punk as a movement or a sensibility yeah but i think it does i think you could you could argue the opposite i think that it formed new romantic and pop and electronic and all those music yeah. that that spawned unbelievable amounts of artistic endeavor in the early 80s and transformed yeah, teenage life you know as much as you know elvis presley changed 
teenage life in 1950s Britain. Mm. Um, I think it was as much that. And, and they're the, they're the kid you know, the kids going on to art college and, uh, and into jobs. They're the ones who bring all the new fresh material, you know, face was born, you know, the magazine was born yeah. from that. Um, and very much type design driven, wasn't it? Um, rather than, you know, the boring, yeah, stripy shirted campaign yeah, magazine that, you know, was a, was the sort of the, the other side of the flip side of that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I think that punk is, is a really important movement. Uh, yeah. I'm not denying it's, it's important. I'm just wondering about how aware people are of its impact. You know, people who aren't in the creative industry, particularly, you know, talking about it being, you're talking about punk as a kind of an essence that hasn't crossed over into mainstream design. You know, I wonder if, did it ever, you know, it's not as if punk happened in 77 and in 1980 corporate design suddenly changed, does it? No, 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 you're right. You, you are right. It's just, it's, I think, I guess these guys are, they're talking about, you know, this is where we're talking about the divide between art and, you know, your, your, your flyers and your bits and bobs for design. It, it's, it's really hard to draw a line between them. If, if you're a professional graphic designer, like, you know, I'd call myself sometimes, yes, you um, that, that, um, you know, it's easy the the work of producing a flyer and stuff for my, you know, to pay the mortgage and to keep things ticking over. It's easier for me to do that than to produce a standalone piece of say art or design that I may sell eventually, I might get some money for, you know, I need to go where the work is. Um, mm. And I think for 90% of designers, that's reality, isn't it? Yeah, but that's always been the case. Yeah. And always will be, you know, it's it's like that iceberg analogy again, isn't it? You know, most of us are, you know, kind of underneath what are doing the bog standard stuff. And the, there's the little bit above the water that's doing crazy artistic stuff or the, the award winning stuff. Um, you know, uh, and they're the people who can afford to take chances because their clients are after that kind of exposure or, you know, they've got a name for themselves. The rest of us, you know, we have to do what works for our clients, not, not kind of pander to, you know, some creative urge. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're going to, you know, I, 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 I get what they're trying to encourage. I was just thinking, you know, if you're laying out a, a two page leaflet about some new software release of a business yeah. and you suddenly take the main typeface and turn it upside <laughs> down and, you know, and then I- invert out the, the image. You're only going to get yeah. one reaction from the client, aren't you? It's, you are. It, yeah. You, it, there's, there's, t- <laughs> there's times and places. Um, and I think that that's the, int- I think that's a really the interesting sort of crossover between art and, you know, what we were saying about Jonathan Barnbrook saying, you know, you are an artist, it is an artistic endeavour. But yeah, but at the same time, it crosses into this kind of almost like high street, you know, picture framers or, you know, yeah. somewhere where you go and get your shirt pressed. You, you expect a certain a certain behaviour set from the designer yeah. when you give them a wedding invite. You wouldn't expect it to be covered in, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to say, no. but, you know, but you even, even Barnbrook is, is most creative when he's working for, you know, a, a cultural client or, a, a, you know, when he really works with kind of bigger brands and things, you know, he's still doing the job that they want. He's still getting across the message that they're after. 
it's not he's not running away completely and doing his own thing. You know, when he does stuff for uh, does stuff for a, a museum in Eastern Europe, you know, and it was incredible and it was you know massively creative and very different to anything you see in that that arena. But he's still, you know, he, he's not just giving up on the brief. You know, he's just interpreting in his style. So I don't know this this whole thing about where is the the punk in design or creativity now. I, I think it's I think it's there. It's just not in the mainstream, which is exactly how it's always been. Yeah. Is it, yes, I mean, even making, yeah, so making mistakes in design as in, you know, screwing things up. Um, how do you, how do you fit that into day-to-day working as a designer? Especially if you, if you're a freelancer going into work in another studio and you start messing around with things, do you ever get that opportunity? Uh, no, you don't. I mean, in some ways, even less so as a freelancer going into someone else's studio and they expect you to just come in, do the job, work as long as you can possibly work for the money you're getting paid um, and deliver. You know, they're not going to expect you to be experimental. Yeah. There are opportunities, aren't there, in everything. You you can put your stamp on, you know, you could suggest a change in copy or, yes. you know, you could suggest that actually that's not the right image or that it should be positioned this Absolutely. way or that way. And then you work up from there, don't you, as you get yeah. confidence with who you're working with. Um, and that generally seems to be the, uh, the, 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 the best way forward. Yeah. It's um, a bad idea to go into a new, new agency to work and, you know, start doing a naked body painting <laughs> exercise to, uh, to unleash your creativity. Well, I haven't worked since. <laughs> you should have saved it till the second week. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was mistakes. Um, we we didn't come across any really bad ones that cr- triggered a sort of you know wars or uh, um, any kind of social collapse. In well, any way. people just keep those quiet, don't they? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, everyone makes typos, don't they? Uh, I made one recently in an ad. It just Did makes you? you feel awful. Yeah. And it, uh, one that went to print. Yeah. Went into oh. the loads of newspapers. Oh. Did the client see it? Well, they approved it. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, there, there are enough ads going out that, that I don't think you'd noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, and when it, it just hangs over you like a dark cloud for the rest of the day, doesn't it? You just mm. think, oh my God, here we go. But I think the best thing to do is just put your hands up phone them and say look i've done this and not hope for the best it's it's better to admit it you just yeah. it gets it off your chest well, it's just going to haunt you forever isn't it otherwise yeah. you're just going to be worried that at some point it's going to come back and bite you yeah i, I was I've, I've written down a few of my signage ones though because there i have really got a, a ton of stuff and this is where you know we had people over promising things that you know over promising things that would that would take a lot longer to manufacture. So we had to use shortcuts to get, <laughs> get them out. Um, and I'll never forget the one where um, we had this, we had this uh, fitter, what we call fit, you know, people who put the signs up. So you had these teams and we had a freelance team and it was this right Jack the Ladder. Um, and we got this contract with this um, through another agency of doing um, an MOD uh 
site and all the wayfinding on an entire MOD site. I can't remember what it was, but it was massive. You know, we were talking hundreds and hundreds of directional signs. Yeah. Um, and this guy was was totally dodgy and had been was ripping us off and taking advantage of of us um which ended in real tears and violence and all sorts of horribleness but he um he couldn't be bothered to dig holes for all of these posts so what he did is he cut little circles of turf out lifted them out hit the hit the posts in about like you know, a hundred mil into the ground and then filled concrete into the bit that he'd cut out of the, of the thing. <laughs> like a little, like a like, little pizza. Um, so then about three weeks later, all of these, you know, the wind picked up a bit and yeah. almost every single one of these signs blew over on the site. <laughs> With these the little concrete. concrete pizzas around them. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, so many. Oh, another one, Facia. Um, I remember this guy. He got fired for this, actually. He um, And he used to go, we found him one lunch. He used to go to um, to lunch and sit in his car and he'd drink a, we, we discovered him one day. He was drinking a can of um, special brew and smoking a big old doobie. And then he'd come back and do work. And we were wondering why he was so slow and incomprehensible in, uh, in the afternoons. And he, what he did was, uh, uh, it was a fascia. So we used to put these things, you put these, to put letters on the, uh, on the signs, you put these things on the back called locators. And they're, they're either brass or plastic. And yeah. we, you generally use plastic ones and use a really strong cement onto them. I think they were acrylic letters. Um, but what he hadn't done is he hadn't taken the backing plastic off of the back of the letters. <laughs> so this sign went up and then about three days later, all the letters started... The letters dropped off. Dropped off, leaving sort of this flapping plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just punk. Oh, yeah, he was a bit. Yeah, he was a bit. Uh, um, yeah, he didn't He didn't come back after that. No. <laughs> No, yeah, no, I've got million, millions of things like that that just, oh, yeah, signage is a good old game for that because you yeah. you're generally at the end of the queue of the of the, uh, of the design process and it's yeah. where, you know, there's no time left to do anything. So, yeah, I, I, I'd better not say anything. I'll get, I'll get, libel, I'll get libeled. Yeah. <laughs> Strongly worded letters from people's solicitors. Yeah. Um, on that, uh, you know, talking about weird or strange, I'm going to go to my website of the week. Okay. And it's, it's actually a website for a podcast and it's a very niche thing. Um, it's uh, called A Podcast to the Curious. Um, and I really recommend it. If you've never read any M.R. James, he writes, uh, wrote uh, horror stories, really short stories. Um, and uh, he was headmaster of Eton, I think, mm. back in the turn of the century. Have you ever read any of his stuff? No, I, you recommended this podcast to me quite a long time ago and I listened to a few episodes, but it was very curious for me because I hadn't read a single one of his stories. Yeah. But it was but, quite entertaining. Yeah, they're, they're, two, they're two really entertaining guys and um, I'd, read, I'd definitely listen to the early ones and read the, read the short stories because you can get them free um, yeah. and uh, they've run out of stories now because he only wrote you know a certain amount he'd write some every year for as a pre- yeah. as a like christmas present for the kids at, at eton and uh, at cambridge as well i think he taught at um but they're really really spooky english stories set in you know um castles or hotels or um you know sort of really 
uh, it's sort of the the Godfather of the of the modern horror story. Yeah, like Hammer House kind yeah. of horror. When was he writing? Uh, eighteen ninety to nineteen. Okay. 1910 or 20s, I think, yeah. that was when he sort of stopped. Um, but he mainly wrote them as Christmas present stories. Um, but yeah, it's a really good site. They've got a map of like all the locations of the stories and you'll find yourself being slowly sucked into getting into MR James. Um, and they are, they are quality and a lot of a lot of the podcasts have got um like audio uh, reenactments of the stories yes, so they'll go they'll go, yeah they'll go through the stories yeah. um so yeah and you can see there's um i think there's a gil is it i think gilgoods or michael Hode, holden is in one of the early bbc ap- adaptations of their um of some of their the, his ghost stories which are really yeah. really scary um yeah quite spooky That's- yeah, I saw something about M.R. James recently and I couldn't find it again, so I'm going to have to do some more digging. But I don't know if someone is making a film of some of his stories or um, a TV series based on his stuff. Well, he's had lots of, lots of um, yeah. stories made. Um, the The famous one is... I'm trying to think what it, which one it is. Um, but, yeah... The Mezzo Tint has been made into one. Um, the track Take Midoth was recently made by um, whose guy does Doctor Who and Sherlock? Um, Mark Gatiss. Yes, he's a big fan of Mr. James. Actually, there's a really good Mark Gatiss uh, history uh, documentary uh, about okay. Mr. Um, James that I would recommend. Um, but a Warning to the Curious is the is the really yes. the really famous one. Definitely look that up on YouTube. We'll put that in the show notes because Michael Hodern in it is um, is brilliant. Anyway, what's your site? Good one, Matt. Uh, couldn't be more different, really. It's uh, longreads.com, which I've been visiting for quite a long time. So it's um, a website devoted to long-form journalism across the absolute uh, spectrum of subjects and content from history, physics. The, the few on the uh, homepage at the minute, you've got... Uh, a reading list on Venezuela. I can see your future six stories about physics. Post-war New York, the supreme metropolis of the present. Three stories on myth and superstition. Um, so they're really varied, but it's good long-form journalism. You know, I don't know how what the kind of uh, uh, word count on the thing. Oh, kind of 4,000 words or 6,000 words. So big old articles. And it's really good to read uh journalism that kind of of that lend that kind of really allows you to get into the the story and get a bit of background on it but long reads have been around for quite a while and i've it's quite recently a lot of the newspapers have started doing long-form journalism haven't they the guardian does it they have a, a, a long read section uh the new york times does it the new yorker um so it's uh, it's quite a, a popular and um, fashionable kind of area of journalism, I think, at the minute. But there's some amazing stuff on there. You can kind of, you know, click on topics and, you know, really explore the stuff that interests you in, in real good detail. So it's definitely worth a look, longreads.com. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, really good. As ever. <laughs> there's some great stuff there. I'm like a sort of zombie that's been brought out and exposed to the internet for the first time, aren't I? The internet. What is this witchcraft? 
And you can turn it on and off again, you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, you'd love it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. So it's it's is it republished from other newspapers or I think I think some's original, some has been featured elsewhere previously. Yeah. I've just gone onto the Guardian site and um you know at the bottom they have these soulmates things. Yeah. You- <laughs> yes. But have you seen somebody know. we know's on there? What is that? Has one it been of these li- weird? Has it been uh, lifted from? Has it been scraped off of a website or what? Well, I wonder if it's been scraped from because I log into the Guardian because I um, I subscribe to it. All right. So I wonder if that's been scraped from my contacts or no? Because I'm not. I'm not logged in as well, and, and Nick Barber saw it as well. Um, yes, yeah. we can. Is, is it, can we name names? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, so that's Stephen Kenny on the uh, Guardian dating. Um, so uh, it, yeah, if you're looking for a man, yeah. Uh, he, so he's the uh, he's the letterpress printer we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. We went to uh, did a workshop at his studio in uh, his his sumptuously uh, uh, appointed studio in Walthamstow. Uh, so he's uh, he's the star catch. For Guardian, yeah. Soulmates. So get get over to Soulmates and yeah. and date a letterpress expert yeah very nice chap he is that really tickled me while i saw that <laughs> he's still there i wouldn't be i wouldn't be happy with that at all i wonder if he knows yeah he looks yeah. happy about it anyway. well yeah you would wouldn't you i mean you know people are going to be searching for him aren't they look rob let, let's cut to the chase here i've got a pie <sighs> that is just dying to be eaten in front of me go so, on then right Mine, yeah, my pie. This I went to the Watercress Festival at Allsford, which is a town just down the road from here, well known for its water watercress growing. Um, supplied yeah. Victorian London with water, watercress for its vitamin C in the nineteenth century, um, and uh, yeah. So at the festival, wandered along there, little pie, little pie um, stall. Um, so uh, I bought a pie. Um, it's called. Uh, well, I think it's Jake's Artisan's Food, and it's a hand-cut pork pie made just down the road here in Petersfield. Mm. You're, uh, you're proud of this, aren't you? Already, I can tell. Yeah, well, I'm pleased to find a pork man, a pork pie manufacturer around here. Yeah. It's like a Scotch pie. It's got a, it's got a loose lid on the top, loose-ish lid. It's not um, pressed yep. together like a like a Melton Mowbray. <laughs> and and actually, the the pork inside is is almost like a game pie. So it's it's large pieces. It hasn't been mushed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's really really lots of nice jelly in it. Um, I bought this one on Sunday, and I've had a little nibble of it. It's not as good as the really really fresh one from you know. On, yeah. su- on Sunday, which he must have just made a batch, but it's um the pastry is amazing. It's really deep and rich, and um yeah, it's it's a fantastic, fantastic pie. Does my jealousy come across in my silence? Yeah, I, well, well, we'll have to. I, I was telling you about that pub pub called the Flower Pots, and they sell it there yeah. apparently. So, oh, um, yeah, they make their own beer there as well. So that'll be the next <clears> one. Speaking uh, of which, have you got a beer to go with the I have. Pie? I've got a Golden Sheep Ale. Ooh. So uh, the Masham Black Sheep yes. Brewery. I um, had that one. Yeah, it's really nice. It's like a summer it's ale. It's Massam. Massam, sorry. Yep. Get it right, you southerner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And how is it? The beer is very nice. Yeah. Summery. 
like a summer lightning sort of oh, nice. beer. Yeah, it's good. What are you? What have you got this week? Well, because it was in Dorset, um, I thought I'm going to buy a pie from Dorset. I'm sure it would be delightful. Uh, we were in Corfe Castle today, so I went into the baker's, determined to buy a pie. And I thought it doesn't really matter if it's not the world's best pie, because it's a you know review. Bad ones are as valid as the good ones. And I saw this pie, and I couldn't bear to buy it. It looked so disappointed in itself. This pie, so. I didn't buy pie in Dorset. I came back to Twickenham and went to um, uh, the what's the famous butchers in Twickenham that does the sausages? Bruce, Bruce's butchers that does the sausages, famous Twickenham award-winning sausages. And went there, and my my wife popped in and came out with a slice of gala pie, which was the only pie they had uh, wrapped in plastic, and it looked revolting. So I'm not eating that pie either. Um, I went to Marks and Spencers for a pie and I've come out with one of those pie in a box it's a chicken pie and it's again I'm disappointed just looking at it <laughs> it's like it's a tragic tale of three where pies to, where to find a nice bloody pie um, but I'll give it a go it's a short crust pastry pie it's just chicken with you know like a chicken gravy it's a bit pale um, like the pastry eyes but the pastry looks good cut well And pastry is exactly what you expect from a nice short crust. Not crispy, a little bit buttery. Really nice pie, actually. It's, you know, but it's not, kind of just does what it says on the box. It's nothing to write home about. The beer is better, which is a Fuller's Frontier, which is a lager, craft lager. Don't know what Fuller's are doing making craft lagers. Have they got a little craft brewery somewhere or do they just pretend it's craft beer? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it's good. Um, it's quite a, it's quite a, a light, refreshing uh, lager. I'm not seeing that. A little bit citrusy. Quite a nice, um, quite a nice label. Kind of one of those uh, medieval maps of the world. It's kind of two globes with the uh, yeah frontier. New way of craft lager. Mm, it's just, very nice. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, I think my, mm. my, I'm going to give my pie a nine. It's, it is so good. If you if you can get hold of a Jake's Artisan Food hand cut pork pie, do they deliver? I think they do. <laughs> that's uh, that's the next thing to try, isn't it? Yeah, getting pies delivered. No, they're really good. A really, really good pie. The best mm. pie I've had. Well, that's quite something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine gets a five. I think maybe five and a half. Nothing wrong with it. Just uh, reasonably uninspiring. Yeah. Well, when I'm so. next up, you're next to the woods. I'll bring you one, one of these. Oh, thank yeah, you. I did speak to my dad this week. Um, I'm trying to convince him to send us both a pie from York. From, ah, right. Uh, from a deli called the Hairy Fig. Right. Which do they do a very good pork that pie. That sounds a bit wrong, the Hairy so, Fig. It does a bit. Uh, so I'll speak to him again and try and get the logistics of that worked out. And we'll we'll receive pastry-based products in the post, ah. which well, would be my, nice. My village is now an, an award-winning, because uh, the uh, the winner of MasterChef lives in my village, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Who knew? I did watch she, I've just seen her on the uh, on the Jake Artisan <coughs> Food Twitter stream, ah. visiting there, and she tried the pie. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. 
Who knew? It's it's all it's all go here in four marks. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, there's a, a mediocre end to the to the uh, podcast for me with this pie, but yeah. uh, a joyous one for you. Yeah, I'm going to go and do a lap of the garden. <laughs> Don't overdo it. All right. Well, um, I don't think we've got any plans for next week, have we? Um, no, we'll we just need to get... think of the next book of the month. I think that yeah. should be our oh, yeah. prime target. Yeah. And... Thing. So if anyone wants to recommend one, yeah, we'd... feel free to do so. Yeah. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, um, thank you for listening. Um, we are on Twitter as north underscore v underscore south. <laughs> Snappy. We are indeed, yes. And uh, we are still talking about building a website. Yeah, we'll get there. And I will also get round to writing up the show notes from the last four weeks. <laughs> you haven't done that? No! Oh, your finger uh, I've got to go and well, edit well. this thing now. Yes. Well, good All luck right. with that. Thanks. Try and make us sound professional. <laughs> yeah. All right, John, really good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Have a good weekend. And you. Speak to you soon. All right, bye. Bye.